There are travelers in this land who move at time's command. Their eyes are filled with all eternity. Let them glimpse your heart, that's where the healing starts. Mountain gypsies are the remedy. Mountain gypsies sure to set you free. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Mountain Gypsies, just a few things. This is your illustrious host, uh, Kat Young, and my beautiful daughter, Tess Hughes. Hello, say hello, Tess. Hello, Tess. Okay, we're not going to take a lot of time because we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have someone on the show tonight that I know you all have been waiting to hear from. I know you don't want to hear about us. We've had a very busy week. We've been teaching classes. We'll talk about that next week. We have someone so special on the show that has so much information about life and liberty and pursuit of happiness that um, we we just want to get right to him. And I am going, I'm so afraid that I'm going to massacre his last name. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to let him correct me. We're really excited about him, aren't we, Tess? Yes, I can't wait. I'm so He's excited. A 42 inch tall man. Like no other man I've ever met. He's handsome, sexy, smart, spiritual, intelligent, full of life, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you my good friend, Drew Huvark. Did I say that right, Drew? There you go. You said it right. Drew Vark. Thank you. (laughs) I forgot to add in their thespian, too. Well, there's plenty more titles, but there's only one title I want, and that's the one that my creator gave me. Yeah, and, and what, is, what, what, what title is that? Oh, um, uh, Faithful Servant. Oh, oh good awesome. one, good one. <laughs> well, now, this is the first time I think, Tess, you've got to speak to Drew, isn't it? Yes, it is. Drew, Other than... this, is, this is my oldest child, Tess, which I... Hi, how you doing, Tess? Good, how are you? Oh, taking it easy, one day at a time, one day at a time. That's been no more truer today than it's ever been. <laughs> yeah, awesome. well now, you're calling us today from from Louisiana, is that correct? Yeah, good old uh, New Orleans, or some say New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> where, where all the shrimp are at, you can eat as much much shrimp as you want, even if it's on Lent. They still will say you can eat shrimp only in New Orleans. Oh, now see, now you can't tell my daughter that because you you don't understand. She can eat more shrimp than any human I've well, ever that's seen. Nice. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. She loves shrimp. <laughs> I like New Orleans too, so it's fine. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. There you go. <clears throat> we're so we're so excited about you being here. We have lots of people that called in for questions. We've got we're gonna we've got thirty minutes on the first part of the show that we were just gonna talk for a bit, then we'll take a break, come back with all the questions people want that have recorded uh, left messages for you. Okay. But basically, I'm just going. I, I, there's some questions I want to ask you about your life and growing up. Um, you had a very interesting life growing up, didn't you? Uh, yes, that, that's an understatement, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't normal uh, by any means whatsoever. It wasn't just, I was this cute kid, and let's go take him out to Hollywood, and let's go do whatever we want, and, or just have fun, and just be nice, and be, be open with, with the whole idea of environment and change. No, I mean, I, I ended up being thrown into the wolves of a uh, of a third uh, third generational cult they call Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, that's uh, no good. <laughs> it's, it's hard to go wow. into what they what they do, and so um, you know, easily should I? They they knew I had talent by five years old, and, um, and you would think they would want to put me in Hollywood, but their you know their rules and regulations just say, oh, don't do that. But you know, it's kind of funny because. I would see consistently how uh, my father would even love uh, James Bond movies. And I'm just like, wait, aren't we kind of restricted from watching violent movies? So so wishy-washy and just uh, aggravating how they would accept one thing and then 
and then not another. And then when it comes to the excommunication rule, that's just makes no sense. They only do it simply because of their prideful heart. That's really what it comes down to. It. So la- I, do you have no contact with your family anymore whatsoever? Uh, well, yeah, if anything, if anyone knows anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, they, um, yeah, they're very particular about their uh, New Old Testament rules. They only take one or two scriptures and don't read anything before or anything after. They take it out of proportion, and uh, they use it as a means to say, well, I can do whatever I want because God says it, and he says this is what happens. So, And it's just like, okay, you know, he also made this other person call his son. That's a lot nicer than what you pertain the father uh-huh. to be. How about you read about him first and let's see where unconditional love really comes from. Yeah. But um but they don't see it that way. They're they feel like they, they only have the truth. They're the only ones that understand his divine name and interpreted it and um yet they only know six percent of their Bible and that's like the best of them. <clears throat> Would even get that far. They have so many books and they don't read it. It was just a complete complete mess of feeling like I had to be you know, a part of a religious organization, but they didn't follow their own rules. So I'm like, how am I supposed to follow my own rule? How am I supposed to see my father as a, as a, as a statute for, for something to believe in? And I just, I caught him in so many things. It's, 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 it's not even funny. It really hurts. Do you think that, okay, so uh, for, for those of you out there that are listening, Drew is very gifted spiritually. Um, he's very similar to the mountain gypsies. He has very similar beliefs to the mountain gypsies. And he is very spiritually gifted. Um, he is a warrior who fights uh, darkness and evil and comes against such things. And he has a very, very deep knowledge and understanding of these things. So, Drew, do you think that they knew as a young child that you were gifted in such a way? Uh, that's a good question because in the beginning, I mean, I was told maybe when I was 15 or however much, I don't remember, so many memories of my pastor faded, but uh, how they said that I was actually a mistake. But when I looked at older pictures of them, you know, when I was like maybe a year or so, there would be a sign that said that I was God's miracle. So it's it's a it's a toss up on what they really really thought. But I can tell you for the most part, uh, they were just hoping that it was going to be an easygoing life. They would have a child who was normal and they would raise him to be the elder's son and he would be a great thing in the church and that's really kind of what they saw they didn't they didn't they don't ever see it as like let the person be them um you know the religion doesn't allow that so it's it's kind of funny though that they that they allow me to do some things there were some miracles i did get to go to college i did get to get homeschool a few other things that just would have been you know the church wouldn't have, wouldn't have allowed so i don't know i don't know partly my mother you know i think had a lot to do with it but she succumbed eventually only reason i don't talk to him anymore is because they decided to to give me a she wrote me a letter something about a six-page letter of a bunch of stuff she just copied from some books and then the last reference she makes is like um don't talk, don't don't talk or communicate or uh, write or call or do anything like that unless you're coming back to the church. And, and it's the first wow. time I, I even heard her say that I love you. I've never actually heard it from her mouth, strangely enough. That's the first time she actually says it is in a letter. She's like, I love you, but don't come back. It's like, can you even put those two words at the same time? I don't know. I didn't grow up wow. in, a, in, a, in a conditional environment. I'm not too sure if that's supposed to be a good thing or not. <laughs> that, that's so amazing to me because if anyone ever meets you, you radiate love and acceptance. And, and to, know, to, to see somebody who's born into this world who naturally is touched by God and has so much love and acceptance, how did you deal with that growing up in a world that was unacceptable of, of who you are as a, as a person? <clears throat> That's a loaded question. Um, Well, I was never taught to really accept myself through through my parents. My parents never told me that I should just be who I am and be be happy with what's going on. There was always this realm of wanting me to conform to their nature. And then they would always say how 
uh, oh, in paradise to come, you know, the new world, you're going to be a new body again. And I'm like, that's great. Why don't you do that while I'm 10 years old and still thinking about it? Not when I'm 35 and being yeah. like, you know, I kind of like the way I am now. I kind of grown into it. Now you're telling me that I'm going to that I'm going to be tall again. Maybe I don't want to be tall. That's a good, good you know, it's a, it's a very uh, existential question right there when it comes down to it. But was I really happy with myself? I can't really say. I wasn't taught any conditional, unconditional love whatsoever. And everyone out there was just like, they were, they were upset that, that they wanted to be, they were jealous of me being this, my size because they wanted to be that size again. So it was never about just letting me be who I am, like kids at school and things of that nature. It was, it, it was always just like we gotta, we gotta help them, guide them into the into uh, you know the right uh, pathway instead of just letting me be my own. I mean, I don't know. It's that people are blinded. I'm. I remember understanding two sides of the world when I was seven, and I was like gonna ask a question, and I was like, no, I don't need to ask this question. I think I, I think I got it. And then, wow. six, and then at 16, whenever I didn't understand love at all, you know, of course, because I never taught it, and I was trying to help under, my father understand what it meant to go back to the beginning of life. Like, even through a card game, it was something like, okay, I know the rules have gotten complicated, but let's just, let's just be happy. No one wins. No one loses. We just have fun with it, right? And he literally laughed in, the, in my face just at the concept. Really? And, just at the concept, it was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, it's, it's impossible to let, to just laugh and have fun unless you're winning. That's basically what his mindset was. And That's so sad. <sighs> you know, escaping any type of cult is, is a terrible thing. I mean, I've lived through it myself, and so I understand that. But what I escaped is nothing near what you escaped. I mean, you live basically in a, a prison of mind, soul, and body. So how did you escape yeah. that religion and that prison? How did I escape? Um, slowly, slowly, well, it's kind of before I was 10, I, I felt I had to, had to close my heart because I knew if I said anything, it was just going to be misinterpreted. And it was just too much, too much um, energetic pain. I didn't understand my whole life that a lot of that I was dealing with was dealing with a whole bunch of energies. And so that I was okay to feel the way I did, I was feeling bad energies. And I uh, just didn't know how to interpret any of that. Um, but I just had to, I, I knew that I would cause more damage if I was this bright light. So I kind of had to close the light down, in other words. And... Um, just kind of uh, take take everything empirically, and and a lot of it I, I could not go outside, so um, I had to kind of borrow my imagination into whatever few books I was allowed, or um, I was allowed to to be a video gamer, and that kind of got me through a lot of childhood. <laughs> yeah, no TV, but surely oh, I could. Really? I yeah, a lot of it was because. Um, you know, it's very strange. I couldn't do it because then my father would get in trouble with it. And that was a long story that I never got into with my mother. But uh, other than that, it was, I don't know, it was strange. They wanted me to be an actor. But then when I started spreading my wings and I was like, I got a job, they're like, oh, what'd you get? Like, oh, I, I, I don't know, some small part. But it's like they were expecting me to be the next Jesus character or something. I was like, seriously? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, you bred me to be an actor just to only do biblical movies? Well, what kind of part is that for yourself and for, for me? But they totally don't understand that. And it's a hard difference to, to comprehend that they grew up second generation. So it's not like they were necessarily taught love either. But I do escape through through a lot of... Uh, a lot of interactive uh, mindset. I mean, I didn't have didn't have TV, but I but I did have you know games. And um, what else? You know. So did you know that when you became of age, when you, did you know that when you turned eighteen that you would walk away from the religion once and for all? Oh, I planned on it. Planned on doing it very early on. 
I was able to get my my place recently and uh or um within time within within during 18 or 19 but I got a chance to go to school strangely enough they don't allow any extra schooling but they let wow. me, let me have it it's just I, I mean I can't understand which which is up or down <laughs> you know yeah. so, so how could I know if they say they love me what does that what does that even mean tell me what your definition of love is but <clears throat> and that's what it comes down to right but so I, there was no consistency there whatsoever n- right none whatsoever so I, I could be quoted the scripture about uh, uh, kids don't exasperate your parents, but if I turned around and used the one that says fathers don't exasperate your children, that was like a no-no. I'm like, right. kid. <laughs> well, I'm, I want to. I have a. I have a couple questions for you that I want to take forward here. Um, some things that you and I had talked about, and one thing that I find so fascinating, and if anybody gets a chance to go to your Facebook. And look at, and we're going, we've got so much to talk about, and I, I hope people don't mind me jumping around, but you are a bodybuilder, and you have won a lot of bodybuilding, and you, I mean, the people don't understand also, and we'll get to that too, you've been through a lot to get that body where it is now, but mm-hmm. tell us about this bodybuilding. Sure. Is there is there noise uh, in the background, or is that just me? I hear that too. I keep hearing like... I don't know what it is. I keep hearing it too. We're just sitting in a. I'm sitting in a parking lot right now. Right. I, hmm. I keep. I keep hearing like somebody doing dishes or something like that, and I have no idea where it's coming from. Hmm. Yeah. Very strange. It sounds like someone's doing something consistently. But um. I, know, I thought it was one of you guys. I have no. There's nothing. I don't on think here. so. Uh-uh. No, it's, it's really bizarre. Sounds very organic too. Yeah. I know, and it's, <clears> it's just the three of us that are here. Well, I'll do my best to talk over it. Okay. Um, the bodybuilding, indeed, it was, it was kind of something that uh, I didn't plan on, of course, but it was essentially my body was kind of pushing me in that realm, and I didn't get any as much assistance as you would think from my from my folks. So when things started hitting on me uh, very hard in the early uh, 20s, when I started getting tinnitus and scoliosis started becoming apparent, and my kidneys were failing indeed, like I knew 10 years before, um, it was, didn't really know what to do, and then I ran into somebody who was, who was vegan and had muscles, muscles, and I was like, okay, it's, it's, I have no choice, it's partly that I'm gonna die, uh, essentially, if I don't look into it, and, uh, I was just introduced to vegetables, and I'm, tried it and uh, didn't seem to have a problem with the taste and so that just got me started really eating vegetables and uh, it was almost like I forgot about it and first time I had kale first time I had spinach you know first time I had um, a zucchini or an avocado I was like this is pretty good what have I been missing so (laughs) it wasn't hard for me at all to want to do a vegan diet especially when I found out that it was so much healthier for you and uh, I, I was getting so much more energy in it as well, and you know my brain functioned a little bit better. And and there's there's so many uh, references in archaic scriptures, including uh, your 66 canon, and then also the extra biblical. And then I read in other areas where plants are medicine. It says that over and over and over that plants are meant for healing. <clears throat> I I love the scripture even in uh, I think it was Yobelim that talks about how during Noah's time, all the uh, spirits were around and that the only way to get rid of them was to by sending a messenger to actually teach them the herbs that you need to get rid of these spirits. Oh, wow. So it's throughout the, throughout life, plants have done nothing but been a help to us every which way. I can't think of one other than the poisonous ones. But then again, you have some, those that are like Cambo which it is a little bit of uh, poison, but you put it on very lightly, it ends up becoming very cleansing, too. It's kind of like that nature of, of balance <clears throat> that is all there for those that are wise and those that are unwise. But, wow. Um, but I got into the bodybuilding simply because I was going to not live. And um, 
everyone's just like, you got pretty good frame and all that. Like, yeah, you wouldn't believe my diet, right? No meat. It's like, no, I can't. I can't uh, believe it. (laughs) It's like, no one can. So they wanted me to go into the competition and I have a few people behind me and I, and yeah, it actually cost them was $400 just to join. Really? It's like a, it's like, it's, it's really a, a testament of, of vainglory now more than anything. Back then, it was a testament of health. Now, you have more bikini um, uh, entries than you do bodybuilding entries. So it's like whichever way you can, if you can pay $150 to go get your body out there, I mean, that's, that's basically what's being, what's being promoted. But then there are some that are in their 50s and 60s and have been through, uh, you know, whatever else, been through the gutter and have gotten themselves back up again. Now, that's a true testament of health. And in my case, that has been the same way. Like, I never worried about how my muscles were expand. I just wanted to eat healthy. And then, um, you know, I just kind of kept with it and uh, ended up winning uh, first place and second place in my first competition. Did you really? So you did you have a trainer or did you train yourself? How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Pretty much trained myself. People I try to get assistance from, but they just really don't know my limits or how to maneuver with certain functions. And it's almost just as much as I can figure out how to adapt in the situation just as quickly as they can. So I end up finding where they just like put me in an environment and they just, they're just watching me. They're like, I'm paying them to watch me. Just like they're supposed to be teaching me. And they don't well, really know what to do. So Let's talk about that a little bit. Your limitations. I know that you have been through a lot. You've had some surgeries. You've been through, you're, you're in a lot of pain. Uh, let's talk about those limitations some. Um, sure. You know, when I was a kid, up until 10 years old, I felt like I didn't, I, there, there was no issues with me whatsoever. I was clean as a whistle. I was supposedly already had fallen in love by the age of four. I don't. <laughs> I I was uh, I was ready to to just be a happy kid, and I really was, and nothing really bothered me. Only until the pain came around, and um, it started with age ten when I was um, <clears throat> how my how I convinced my mother to go see an alternative practitioner. That's another miracle. He says I have low energy in my kidneys, and he put some electricity on it. Bam, he was right. But go figure. Let's figure out why I'm having all that issues. Maybe it's because I'm going to school eight hours a day uh, with a with a body that's smaller than normal. I got smaller lungs. Uh, my heart rate goes up uh, in, in in its variations a lot faster. So I mean, it doesn't take me long at all to get on a trampoline and get to 180 beats per minute, and that's that's considered go to the hospital. <clears throat> so um, I am kind of like a hummingbird. And so I'm out there, and then, and then I have to stay up all night for six hours uh, to go to a meeting and do that three or four times a week. No wonder I got no – my kidneys don't get any time to regenerate. Right. But that, yeah. that was like given no explanation as to like, okay, we're going to do something about it. Doctors just said valerian root. That's to calm me down, but that wasn't to, to, to help me with my kidney problem. We had to go to the source. And it was just kind of largely left alone. And then, uh, you know, I almost got appendicitis at 12, almost died from that. And, um, uh, you know, things started moving forward and I I would just didn't really know how to handle it. Uh, I just I had a headache and I didn't know what to do with it. And they didn't know what to do with it either. And even though I had dwarfism, supposedly they said, oh, well, only until I was 25 did they know that she say she she knew I had scoliosis. I'm like, I think I remember going to an MRI a while ago and, and, and you guys found that out. I mean, how, how, how silly can you be to not see that even though you're trying to conform me into a religion, I'm still different physically and you have right. to, you have to, you know, and, and I think she wanted to do that and, and he was upset with it and I had to go through braces and, um, you know, no major bone surgeries per se. Oh, well, that's, um, that's fantastic. But yeah. You had a lot of muscle issues, had a lot of muscle issues right? I have a lot of hypertension because of, because of the scoliosis and, and because uh, uh, the legs and the arms and the knees don't exactly, and the hips don't exactly open up. There's, like, some extra calcifications, my guess. And um, it definitely, the, the, the muscles don't grow correctly. So they're being pulled. They're the same amount of muscle fibers 
they're the same amount of tension that's supposed to be there. That can't be fixed. You know, you can only make a certain muscle stronger in its in its stature, but you have to work every part of that muscle. So I have I have lots of pullings and turnings, and I have a a twenty five percent rotation in the middle of my spine, close to my heart, and I have a it's like a seven point scoliosis in seven points of my spine. I'm I'm twisting and, and twirling all over the place. But you know, through I've seen the pictures of you when you're doing your um, um, uh, posing for the, for the bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. It, you look perfect. I mean, to see you, your body doesn't appear to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion anything wrong, you know? And and the fact that you overcome and and you you do grueling schedules and, and things of that nature, um, it, it's it's amazing how you you have trained your mind to overcome, and through through Yahweh, how you have worked to overcome so many obstacles. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been funny to to see where I I have just got this ingrained talent in me, and that you know I didn't realize hardly where I was until only very recent to what he has done for me all throughout all throughout my life has kept me alive and and um given me a, a way out at least even if it wasn't the right way it was the only way i knew how because for nearly 20 to 30 years of my life i had this annoying ringing in my head that that goes to the highest level possible like i i hear that noise literally every day and uh it goes off and on and only because i've had diet a uh, good diet has that has that helped? And it has to do with a lot of kidney problems. And, you know, that makes me get all upset at my folks. But anyways, right. um, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it isn't it's infuriating that I am dealing with all these things because the family unit unit was not looked into. Not even the scriptural family unit was not checked into enough to know what it means. It's just like you're following still man-made traditions because right. you're, you're not a divine unit. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I had that noise going through my head. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't uh, think anymore. No thoughts in my head could come because they were just completely destroyed away. I couldn't, th- I couldn't have a memory for more than five seconds. It was impossible. Every day was just like a, just floating in the ocean because I wouldn't be able to remember the day before or the day before. So whether I had a wonderful conversation with my future partner, I bet you I wouldn't be able to remember eighty percent of it easily easily you know and and it's just <clears throat> what it does is it puts you in that state of of mortality where you can't help but feel that way so it's a big confliction when you know you've got spiritual potential and that you're saying you're being attacked by demons but you don't have the physical or the physicality the energy the uh the chi personally in order to handle these things it's like it's like literally being thrown out to a, 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 a field of wolves as a sheep and expecting you to fight them all off. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, but, but look at how far you've come and what you've accomplished. <clears throat> you know, the right. journey has made you who you are. And, yes. And you understand that like nobody I've ever seen before. Well, thanks. I, I mean, it, it has been has been quite a bit, yeah. To to just that part of me that told me like so much is stacked up against me, but yet sometimes I can wake up in the morning and still feel feel fine for that ten minutes, and before everything starts hitting me again. So it was like ten minutes of like I know there's still hope, and that every little every which way that I was like I just want to end it. Something said, nope, you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, man. And that kept me going to like, okay, fine. I've already got all these sufferings. It ain't going to stop. It ain't going to be cured anytime soon. Just going to, and I still didn't want to submit either. But yeah. it, it was having to deal with the fact of I couldn't even get out of bed because I had a noise that kept me up all night. So how am I supposed to accomplish anything for that matter? And, and it, it just made it difficult for me to go to work. And I had to be on government assistance. I didn't like it. I didn't like that idea, but. You know, it's been very helpful for me now to be able to deprogram myself, as many other people don't get to do. Right. Uh, I'm in a very unique situation where, you know, I, I've, 
yeah, had to do a lot of unconventional things. And if it wasn't for my favorite plant, Mr. Cannabis, I would not be able to be talking to you either. And we are we are pro that for medicinal purposes. Absolutely. absolutely. And now we're going to have you take a break here in a minute. And when we come back, we're going to ask you to answer some questions. A lot of people have some questions about American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. And believe it or not, we talked for 30 minutes. Can you, I told you this would go quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, I knew it. <laughs> I know. And we didn't even get to half the stuff I want. You're so, there's so much that we're, we're going to have to have you back because we didn't even get to yes. the spiritual realm of all the stuff that you know about. We're just, people are just getting to know you on this show. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to come back. And we have a lot of questions. People have called in. I don't even know if we'll get them all in. So I'll let you go. Take a break. Everybody go to the bathroom. Do what you need to do. And we'll be right back. It's Mountain Gypsies, guys. We'll see you in just a minute. Bye-bye. Take some questions right now. So exciting. Hey everyone, my name is Naomi and I'm a big fan of the show, but my questions are actually a little different. If you could pick one thing in this life that you haven't done yet, you would love to do, Drew, what would it be? And what is your absolute favorite thing about life? What's one thing I would like to do that I haven't done yet? Mm, um, that's a good question. Be, um, be a, um, be a swami in South Africa. How about that? Wow. And uh, what was the other question? How do I view life? And what do you love about life? What do I love about life? I, what is the most interesting, interesting thing about life that we don't do very uh, much and not any of our fault is live in the moment. <clears throat> Strangely enough, especially when you're surrounded by pain, it takes you out of the moment all the time. And there's always things that are pulling at you left or right. Even scriptures say, don't go to the left or the right. You have to go straight. And the, and the, the rhythm of, of the monitor of your spine, how it's, how it works whenever it's straight and everything's a clear signal. And even by thinking and by talking, you're actually not living in the moment. The only way to live in the moment is to just close your eyes and, uh, and uh, you know, take in everything as it's happening. There's, there's such a difference. Yeah. Ab- absorb it in the moment. It's like, it's like when, when you're able to watch a movie and you could understand what the person said at the, 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 at the same time that he made the statement. It's easy to get into it if it's an emotional type of, of statement. But otherwise, uh, you would have to maybe even pause and see what the guy actually even said before you do it. But there are moments when you just feel like nothing is bothering you. That's the craziest trick. Is You, think, you do have to care about things, but you just have to understand that not everything is is important. And I'm, I won't get into that, but that moment and then it just feels like you are you actually feel like you are in the flow and that you're not worried about what you're going to say or what you did yesterday the past and the future don't mean anything and it's beautiful it's like being in a whole different energetic field and uh, that's something i would like i say that because when you have something like tinnitus you consistently are not in there and uh i miss silence silence is very beautiful golden as they say that was a great question, Naomi, and that was a beautiful answer, Drew. Thank you. Hi, Cantess. This is Tristan from Grafton, Ohio. Um, I have a question for Drew. Um, big fan, by the way. Loved you in American Horror Story. Um, my question is, how did you get in? How did you get the role in American Horror Story, and what got you into acting in the first place? Thanks, guys. Um, well, I got the role quite simply 
because I knew who I was and I knew I would be wanted and I just have that light and I didn't really care about the role and all I did was uh, have a muscle shirt on and pretend like I was flexing an iron bar. So having all my muscles and veins popping out, you know, creating imagination uh, as what artists do. And and that was it. I didn't even expect to get the role. He called me and was like, all right, we like you, even if it's just for the muscles. But they didn't say that part. I know what they really like. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure all the, the female producers were like, ooh, you got to get them on at least one, one show. Come on. So, <laughs> um, and what got me into acting, that's, um, well, simply, simply put, subconsciously speaking, that would be the time I saw Empire Strikes Back. Wow. And I saw Yoda. And he really, he made an impact, impact on my five-year-old mind. Like no other character. You know, people always would ask me or I would think to myself, who's my role model? Sorry to say, I mean, does it have to be a person that lived through a woman? (laughs) Because there's one guy that I know that seems to be kind of stronger than a lot of people out there with wisdom and the force power. So no big deal. Yeah, you can choose who you want. It's your life, right? Well, the fact that, like, what it all comes down to, it appearances don't matter, right? Right. And so uh, he obviously had the qualities that, that you would want in any person. So, you know, to say that Yoda is my role model doesn't seem too hard to, you know, fathom. Some people might think it's weird, but I'm sorry to say, I think he's a better role model than a lot of us. Uh, well, that, other. You know, why would that be weird? People pick Superman or Thor or, you know, so why would, you know, so... Why not? Well, I mean, because in the centuries before, it was all about you would most likely pick your father or your mother as your role model or your pastor as the role model. Well, now you have. Yeah. Have you met some pastors lately? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the the ones all in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I know them quite intimately. Well, thank you, Tristan, for that, and thank. Hi, Kat. Hi, Tess. This is Dana from Maryland. I'm calling with a question for Drew. I'm wondering how it was filming American Horror Story. The stories are surrounded with so much darkness. How did you get through your day, and how did it actually feel on the set? Exactly what I was getting into. I got on the show before I really saw any seasons or, um, or re- really even knew who the players were, any of them. Because I never looked at acting as as a business, no matter what you're told. And um, <clears throat> so I really didn't know what I was getting into. And, and yes, on the first day, my first scene was, or second scene rather, was me with this, you know, doing an orgy with the, all the other uh, differentiated cast. And on top of just meeting everybody uh, from this uh, right here at the moment without meeting them beforehand, and my brain is just just trying to comprehend all the differences. I mean, it's it's understandable to some extent, you know. um, It's not nice to stare, first of all. I know people are curious about me, and and they have to look back and forth and back and forth, and I get it to some degree, but – you know, there is a point of rudeness. And it was kind of like, no matter where I turned, I was looking at somebody else. <laughs> like, I was just really screwed. And then I had to, and then I had to create a simulated... <laughs> right. And then I had to create a simulated sex scene that I felt was, was okay. Because I did still have this, this moral code about me. And I was like, I'm not going to be perpetrated as a character like that. Uh, that's just what I wanted to do. So I did the best I could. It was like, all right, Drew, you're rationalizing more than you've ever rationalized before. <laughs> think of something here. Think of something that you'll be okay with. <laughs> and, um, you know, no one had any parts showing, but yet they still wanted me to have, like, one one nipple showing. I'm like, you guys are kidding me, right? You think oh I'm this God. You think I'm this stupid? <laughs> Anyways, I came up with the idea of humping them. The leg of the um, of the transgendered uh, man, and um, 
<clears throat> and I was like, I was kind of, I just, just chose to be ignorant. That's part of how they get you is like, they want the be- they want what you can do. So they put you in the war scenes without any forehand. So they want you to be on the spot. Otherwise it's acting and acting being that you can just replicate it on camera. But being a true thespian is like being in the moment. And it's not exactly the same moment that I was talking about before. But so I had to figure it all out. And I heard even Ryan Murphy's like, hump the leg, hump the leg. And I was like, apparently I didn't hear him at all. I was just concentrating on doing my scene and making sure <laughs> that I was doing it without making it look like I just sold my soul, for lack of better words. So anyways, that, um, had to be, that had to be the most difficult scene I bet you've ever had to do then. Yes, yes. I mean, after that scene was over, of course, it quieted down and the other scenes were not so hectic. And it wasn't until what from episode one to episode 11 that they finally had me into, guess what? Another sex scene, right? With me and Sarah Paulson kissing. And sure, I mean, it was great. On one end, everyone's like, yeah. But on the other end, you like, after you, after you, 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 you know, you touch the uh, padded uh, boo about 15, 20 times, it just doesn't have the same flair okay (laughs) it doesn't have the same flair and um i can only imagine what all i picked up there and and you know i i still didn't understand energy medicine as i did at the time either and i only imagine all for most of the time i still had a lot of a lot of issues and but i didn't want to speak up about it first of all and and I, i could tell the pompousness that everyone was having uh, you know, a, a, a about just like their show, and and uh, they didn't give me the credit that they that they that they um, should have. I mean, I did an amazing job on episode six with with uh, with um, uh, what's her name? Um, come to me, Jessica Lang. And um, it was a very interesting moment where it was just, they threw me in there. I was like, whatever, I'm used to this. I took my own reins and I got on the the table. No one tells me what to do on film sets because, again, they don't know what to do. Trainers just like they don't know how to help me either. These directors end up coming asking me how I would want to direct my own uh, character. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to direct my character, and um, you know, after a few tries, I did a couple things with Jessica Lang. You know, I was just before I even knew who she was, but it was the way that I came out to what a true thespian was. And at the very end of the scene, everyone's clapping, 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 and then she comes out of the blue and says, "No, thank Drew." And <laughs> I oh, wow. mean, I'm floored, right? I'm floored. Talking about everyone else, just like, first of all, they came out of nowhere. Second of all, she's not even thinking a named actor or actress at all. This guy, <laughs> this guy who looks like, who looks like uh, uh, Jack Nicholson and, 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 and Jessica Lange, the biggest star, just thank me and then you know that's when they were like oh producers are like oh well we see you're an actor now i'm like you think finally and they're and they said they're going to do a whole bunch of promises and they didn't so that's the end of wow that. uh i i mean i i just fell in love with you at, in the show i mean i just thought you're an amazing character i think you brought so much to it did, and, and like Dana asked, did, did you feel darkness around you? Yeah, yes, yeah. No, well, I didn't feel it per se, but it was more like, because I didn't understand it back then, it was more like it was carrying through. Only until after the show did I um, start linking up with that aspect again. And then because of the ringing, it really made it difficult for me to use my powers. Right. Sorry. That was that was very strange for me to say right there. Anyways, so because of that, I, I you know I didn't really understand that headaches were caused by other entities. Entities, exactly. Yeah, because now I can get rid of them, no problem. Now it's like it's no drop in the bucket. It it's real, and it and I have to do it every day now. So when I know I picked up all that stuff and I and I cleansed myself. Because uh, I was, I was apparently frightened, of course, and just like, okay, I know this is real. 
but I don't know what to do about it. Uh, you know, my pineal gland, I know, is not in functioning order because of my bones, yada, 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 yada. All these things that were just like, and my brain hurts. I don't, I don't know how I can concentrate. How do you expect me to do anything? But lo and behold, with all the training, like you said, of me going through all these other challenges, it's like, well, you know what? I, there's nothing stopping me. I'm going to figure it out. I got nothing to lose. And the brain figures out a way. The heart figures it our way. Yep. <clears throat> okay. That. Thank you, Dana. That was an amazing question. And again, Drew, you always answer it perfectly. Let's go to our next question. Hello, Kat and Tess and Mr. Varick. I hope you all are having a wonderful day today. I just have a couple of quick questions. Do you need to recharge after doing a healing? And if so, what do you do? Thank you much. Hmm. Um. Yes, yeah, self self healing is is a different beast. But to take the easier road and say when it comes to healing others, that's that is easier because it's very selfless, and you don't have any anything in your mind that's that's separating you between knowing that you want to heal this person one hundred percent with clarity and without any any return compared to what you want because of what you're doing in the flesh and the knowledge that you got. So when it comes to healing, it requires a complete openness for sure. And that and you do have to protect yourself because you're creating an open channel. But it's a two-way street. you got to figure out what to do about it. And, you know, you, uh, wear stones or, or, you know, pray, of course. That's always a, a good deal to, to have some sort of protection. Uh, around can be helpful um only so much you can do in yourself but as far as like essentially you are just a channeler like you can use your personal energy but you then you will get tired you can understand how to use the energy from from the above in order to channel it through you so you're not wasting it and that could be kind of said when you're recharging and if you use your right brain enough and use your powers enough, then they will get easier. I, I didn't believe it either, but now I do. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so healing, healing yourself, recharging it would, would be a matter of just, for me anyways, using imagination. You are connected. So by imagining uh, anything, you are somewhat bringing it into reality. And the second trick it's to not just imagine it, but you have to pull it out of you. So what I mean by that was a very interesting book by uh, Drumvolo Melchizedek, I think, Flower of Life and like the intention of life and what it means to create the energy and actually feel it moving. It's one thing to know it's there, but we're so cerebral that we don't know the difference until you actually start focusing and using that energy to go through your body like an elevator then you want to understand what it means when the Tao talks about using the heart-mind, a two-way channel to create an, an, an immense um, portal of, of energy that you can use along with the chi. But it requires imagination, number one. And uh, you have to, to bring it into the world would to be as if you are actually seeing it in the world. So if you're creating a bubble around yourself, you actually have to see the bubble, not in the colors, just with your mind's eye. So that you know for sure in your mind's eye you have a black shield around you. But you're also, it's hard to describe. I don't know if it can be taught. But to, but to, but to put yourself into the realm while you're taking your imagination and, and taking it outside the box of your mind. Literally taking it out of the box. So and, you know what this tells me, Drew? This tells me that you have to come back to the show and teach some of your knowledge because like i said this show people are just getting to know you and and they know you as american horror story actor they don't know you as the healer and the teacher and the wise man that i know you to be so when i met you i mean it was immediately kindred spirits and we talked about healing and and you know and i told you some things of knowledge i knew and you were on your journey then to where you are now and I would really, you know, we're we're not through yet, but I really want, I want people to see that aspect of you as well. So, 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope you come back and do that and share. You have so much knowledge on healing and wisdom and spiritual things. I really want people to hear that side of it and your, your, the journey to get to that because that's a whole maybe couple episodes in itself. Yeah. Uh, I know that you are doing a uh, huge, uh, uh, by the way, thank you, Diane, for that question. And uh, if you get the time to check out Drew's Facebook, but, but beyond that, Drew's going to start doing a YouTube channel. Are you not? I have a YouTube channel. Everyone can go to uh sizeless soul productions, all one word. You should be able to find it on YouTube. And um, eventually there's a lot of projects in the work and, you know, depending uh, before or before the or the before the hand of Yah comes, uh, everything I will be uh, considering. I have been considering more of of this and knowing you know knowing what's important. And I don't like the idea. One thing being small has taught me is like, what do I want a mansion if I got to pay so much more for it? And I'm like, I'm having I'm I'm just having fun being in this small temple of mine. And not worrying about anything and being humble all the time. So, you know, yes, I, I do have a lot of ideas. I do have a lot of videos. If I do get plenty of subscribers, I'll, st- I'll start throwing up some videos that I have already uh, just so I can give you guys some content. But, yeah, I have some things in the works. And uh, knowledge is one of them for sure. That is uh, granted that hopefully people, uh, you know, actually use it. I have a, I, you brought up a subject there that you and I have talked about. Uh, last night, actually, we went into a conversation over it. And you said this small temple. And I asked you, I said, the new, you know, the new PC thing to say is little people. And I said, I, I think that would be offensive because I'm all the time told because I'm so top heavy. I have such, you know, enormous top. People always say, oh, you're a big girl. And I find that very offensive. I don't like that. You know, I'm a woman. And I said, do you find it very offensive when people call you little people or little person? And your answer is? Um, no, no, I, I don't. I don't find it too offensive if, if, to say the word, to say the M word and just complete ignorance gets me going, even though I know it's not the person's fault. But it's it's being said without comprehending who, you know who you are it's like it's like you're saying uh dwarves doesn't sound very uh very unemasculating or of any sort because at the same time there's also been a lot of uh documents that that give like the um the norse the norse mythology or or um you know dwarves known as uh weapon makers and and being a, a big part of civilization to begin with so right um, you know how people are, are are just switching that word around because they because it, it gave a different connotation and they use the M word in order to give it more pep. It seemed like it seemed like that people were getting more roles. The only ones that could get Hollywood roles at the times were only midgets because they had taken that word to mean a very diverse group of proportional dwarves, and so. You know, technically, if I was living in the 1950s, I would probably use that term because it's what allowed me to get more roles. But I see that as another form of discrimination, even if it is to an advantage of my own. And uh, you're not you're just calling everybody by these uh, by these words. And it's just like, what if I just start calling you a cyclops? You know, (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't you all get offended by that or just be like, (laughs) So, you know. you know, you know, it's like you and I were talking, what the, the, the thing is, you're a 42-inch man. It's like, I'm a woman, you're a man. Why do people have to put you in a category and categorize what you are by stature or size? It's, why does that have to matter? Right, because if they saw me down the street and maybe their English language brain is telling them they want to say, want to say, oh, you're so small. You didn't know you're so small, did you? You're just a small thing. <laughs> but, but if they had x-ray glasses on and saw my spirit, then they would probably be saying a whole different story. They'd probably be like, oh my God, he's going to kill us. He's huge. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Most people, there are people that are, of course, like, okay, when I get to heaven, please be nice to me. <laughs> like, well, yeah, do, exactly. do it now. <laughs> yeah. but okay. it, 
it's funny, just a small story. When I was in McDonald's recently doing food delivery and I was, uh, someone's just like, oh, you're the cutest thing in the world. I'm like, uh, uh, what did I say? Something like, thank you. I'm actually 10 feet tall. And I'm like, really? 10 feet? He's like, that it's cute. I'm like, no, it's sexy, but you were close. <laughs> and then I walk out. I tell, walk. Me, tell me, Drew, what's going on with your love life? Oh, well, the end of the story is I walk out and they're like, I had this energy about me because everyone said I was taller than myself, even if they didn't believe it. And um, and then and then someone else was like, oh, are you available? I'm like, uh, <laughs> whatever. And then it's like, well, that's cute. And I'm like, yeah, well, good. I like it. It's like, well, good, because I'm actually 20 feet tall. <laughs> and they just kept laughing. It's like I could have went up to 30 or 40. And would they know that it'd probably be true? And would they actually believe me? And it's yeah. just this this craziness of belief. And, um, you know, yeah. So you, you could give it right in front of people's faces. And I don't know. It'll all eventually come out. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, so well, come on, Drew, give us the download. The, What's going on with your down. love life? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ladies out there listening. Are you available? Um, What's going on? I could be available, but I have a, um, I have a girlfriend application that I have to get filled out first. She's saying this time. <laughs> yeah, and I have to approve it as well. So. <laughs> it has to be run by me. Mama Cat has to look at it too. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been up and down because I just get to run into those that are either conflicted by by natural reasons or those that are not afraid to come up to me because um, a good time or fling. And it's just it's been a road where I not stereotype, but just to see who I want and I see for more on a spiritual aspect. That's the only thing what matters anymore. You could take out everything else and that would be what anybody would want you wouldn't matter what what you looked like now that being said it's important to keep your temple up to date but you know what i'm saying is that the soul speaks louder no matter so, so what. let me let me let me phrase this for you drew is looking for a person who loves yahweh yahshua elohim but keeps the temple intact <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound about right? Uh, I think it would be this, the same otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So, the so ladies, if that temple is intact and you can keep up with him in the gym and everything else the man does because he's busy and you still use that temple to worship correctly, and, you know, he doesn't mind a little worship himself, a little body <laughs> worship, then you might fill out the application. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's only two pages. You won't even feel it. <laughs> yeah that's kind of that's kind of what i see and and strangely enough i've gotten a lot of wisdom actually from the references that that artists have used and especially uh Yahua has used in his language to describe a women and it, and it really showed how the separation between the two is is a blessing it's never meant a form of equality. There is exactly, you know, there is one and there's the other. They're meant to complement each other, and yet there are benefits on the other side. If you're only looking in a capitalistic environment, then look, you know, there, there's only there's so much I could say as a male, of course, because we were given just with the with the gracefulness and simplicity of enjoying His kingdom, which is mentioned as a her. Exactly. And then, and then yeah. seeing the Heikau, the most holy temple, as a her, and you're entering her every time to worship the one who created her. And <laughs> and it gives a whole definition from a male I, point of view. It's hot in here, Drew. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yeah. All right, Drew, we're, we got to close the show out. We've got just a few minutes. Is there anything you want to say before we end the show? And you've got to come back because we didn't even get to half of what we wanted to talk about. You got anything else you want to say? Uh, just that um, wisdom and light is in the way, and even it is the way. And even though it's it may seem difficult to be humble, you'll realize that um, the ones that really matter only see humbleness to begin with. 
it's like how one person w- told a joke out in Tibet, and um, oh, the guy. We're going. We're going. We're going. Oh, he 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 made a joke, and the monks didn't laugh. So be humble. Love that's, you. Bye. That's humor. <laughs> bye. I love you so much, and I will talk to you very soon, my friend. Sorry, time is up. Thank you so much for being here. I hope to see you soon. Please come back and visit us. Thank you, Drew, for being with us. You're a joy and many blessings. Absolute joy. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm All glad right, I can bye-bye. be assistance. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Have a good one. You too, honey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.